Hello and welcome to episode three of Have Yourself a Mindful Little Christmas with me, Ali Rothfara. Today I speak to the brilliant Susie Redding. Susie is a psychologist and author of many brilliant books, including The Self-Care Revolution and Self-Care for Tough Times. We're talking all things Christmas overwhelm today, especially for the Christmas hosts, or if you're the person who finds themselves with the invisible load of Christmas jobs on their shoulders, including how to delegate some of that Christmas load, and how we can intentionally use the time between Christmas and New Year to reset and recover. Grab yourself a cup of something warm, snuggle up, and here we go. I'd just like to share with you another place that you can find me over on Substack. No matter how old our little ones are, there's just never as much time now as there was before, right? And trying to carve out more time for us or sleep when the baby sleeps and all the equivalents just isn't realistic and can actually be really frustrating. I believe if we want self-care in our lives for real, we have to embed it into our children's lives too. Because when we can invest in our well-being while we're with the kids, some magical things happen. Firstly, You're able to do the things that make you feel good every day, not just when you can grab a sporadic five minutes or when someone offers to look after the kids. Secondly, these things we do that make us feel good begin to manifest as habits in our lives, which have a compounding effect on our well-being. The work we will do together over on my channel, Rebecoming, will literally rewire your brain to be more positive, emotionally resilient, grateful, less anxious and overwhelmed, and better able to manage stress. And thirdly, perhaps the most excitingly, two things happen to our children. As we rewire our brains to the more emotionally resilient, grateful, less anxious and overwhelmed version of ourselves, we're also wiring their brains to a default setting of positivity, gratitude, happiness, and set them up from the beginning as emotionally intelligent, emotionally resilient children who are less anxious, stressed, and better able to regulate their emotions. We also teach them that self-care is a priority and as normal as brushing your teeth, so that in the future, they have the tools to look after their own health too. So over on my channel, Rebecoming on Substack, I share fascinating research tips, tricks and hacks to raise not only happy, confident and calm children, but happy, confident and calm mothers and fathers too. From inspiring, heartwarming articles to podcasts like this one, free bedtime meditations for you and fun mindfulness activities to watch and do with your little ones, I promise you'll start seeing the benefits inside yourself and in your family sooner than you'd realise. So let's go on a journey to re-become ourselves and rewire well-being from the inside. This is realistic self-care for you and your little ones. Subscribe now to Ali Rothfarah's Rebecoming channel on Substack today. See you there. <laughs> Hello, Susie, my lovely friend, Susie Redding. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Ali. And how are you, darling? I'm good. I'm really enjoying all of these Christmas podcasts. And it's the 30th of November today, so this is going to go out next Monday. But yeah, the day before the big day the beginning of the big days. (laughs) The day before advent calendars will help us coax our children out of bed with less, with less, ah, angst. I've got a little song. I can't wait to sing it for them. And it's, yeah, it's, I look forward to it because it it just means there's, there's a chance of greater peace in the mornings. (laughs) Yes. I really want to hear the song now. (laughs) 
does that mean? Should we leave it? <laughs> no one needs to hear it. It's not that good. <laughs> so what do you give your kids um, for their advent calendar? Little chocolates? Do you know what? This year we've just gone the chocolate advent calendars because yeah. in previous years we've gone down the, the toy route and yes. with my eldest we did like a, we did a skincare cosmetics oh, thing last year. And she's now evolved to the point where, like, she, she she couldn't possibly choose one of the advent calendars that was, like, 40 quid. The one she wanted was, like, 300 pounds. I'm like, so do you know what? We're just going to do the chocolate thing. And, and even with the toy thing, you know, it was fraught with peril because some days there was a really cool toy and then other days there was a sticker. And the disappointment yeah. oh. on those sticker days, I'm like, we're going to stick with the chocolate because that's enough to get you out of bed yeah. and into Christmas mode. But um, honestly, it, it's a minefield. Even the things that we do to plan joy can still create <laughs> <Yes>. stress. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> stress and disappointment. I've just, um, it's my little girl's two, Summer. So she's just, it's, this is the first year that she's kind of into everything and I've I mean she wouldn't even know about an advent calendar if I didn't do it but I have one with little pockets and I thought I can't she's only two I can't give her chocolate well I could but I don't want to oh and, no, um, no. and there's the season for everything you're right exactly it's exactly. too soon for that, that time yeah. will come so I've got like little transferable tattoos she calls oh, them tat tat oh that's so, lovely I'm not sure I, I was putting them in I was thinking this is a lot of tattoos um the little transferable ones you know and she so we'll see it. whether that I think they're going to go down a treat, but she's going to have them all over her body by the end of, <laughs> of December. She will do. They'll be all up and down her arms. We started off with um, I can I remember we had this um, this thing with drawers, and there was a little Christmas decoration to adorn the Christmas tree. It, you know, it doesn't have to be confectionery. It can be anything that works for us as a family. Exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. Different, different things in different seasons of motherhood. Absolutely. Yes, I love that. And equally, there's nothing wrong with a tiny little <laughs> morsel of chocolate in the morning. If that, you know, there's something magical about those adverts. It's what we grew up with. We didn't have any of these, you know, pouches and stuff and, you know, big ideas. And it it feels to me like Christmas on one hand, it's so magical because you're, you can come up with new traditions and you see new things, on, especially nowadays with Instagram and everything. And some of those kind of alternatives can be great, can't they? Oh, okay, I don't want to give her chocolates. I can give her this instead. However, it can also feel a bit overwhelming, can't it? Totally. Totally overwhelming. Oh, my goodness. We're about to enter the, uh, the elf on the shelf thing, yes. aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> what are oh. your thoughts on the elf on the shelf? So there's a lot of controversy on, on Instagram, actually. If it brings you joy, that brings your family joy, great. If it doesn't, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's, that, is, that is the rule of thumb. If it works for you, brilliant. But permission to choose, dispensation to say, not on your Nelly. Mm -hmm. No, thanks. Difficult, what, though, when our kids are seeing it and they sort of feel like, well, that's something that they're missing out yes you know if you're yeah. not doing it it, it is it's, it's really challenging but it's also also okay for us to say sorry we need to sustain ourselves throughout this whole period yeah yeah so and let's, it's a long time isn't it it is it's Which a really long time my first question Susie about mm -hmm. the Christmas creep <laughs> so mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on the Christmas creep do you think it's real and oh yeah and how does it affect us? So the Christmas creep, I'll just introduce this idea if you haven't heard of it before. 
it's the idea of Christmas kind of coming into the media and into our psyches and, you know, all around us earlier and earlier each year. So in the past, it might have only begun in December. Now we kind of, it was October, I think this year, maybe even September where Christmas started to appear in media and stuff. So what are your thoughts on it? Is it real? And does it, yeah, how does it affect us? It is 100% real. I noticed it even before, I, I want to say before Halloween was done. I'm wow. pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty sure I saw those golden bears. They appeared before Halloween <laughs> had finished. But then the, literally the day after Halloween, it was like full-on advent calendars, tins of shortbread, all of the, the, the Christmas yeah. paraphernalia, stocking fillers. And yeah. it does, like it permeates our consciousness. There's an awareness of there are things required of us. It becomes a topic, topic of conversation even at, at the checkout. So, yeah, it, the Christmas creep is 100% real and it's really hard to buffer ourselves from it. And I'm wondering too, you know, whether I think my daughter's been planning her Christmas list for like months. And the thing is, right, at 13, she's, she's not on social media. Um, which is quite atypical for for a lot of you know her her peer group, but even without that influence, it's still a topic of conversation among her friends, mm-hmm. and it's it's really tricky. How do we just kind of s- slow the horses a bit? Yeah, <laughs> yes. We need some breathing space before it becomes you know that. Because it's hard to sustain that level of excitement about anything, isn't it? And I always mm-hmm. feel like if I give myself over to Christmas which I want to do so desperately because I love Christmas so much hence this podcast but if you if you kind of just let yourself into it too soon then I don't know can it I guess it could kind of lose the magic you could is there any kind of psychological explanation around excitement and how long a period of excitement can last for before we kind of get over it and then by the time Christmas comes along we're like oh well been around yeah, for well, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a term in psychology called hedonic adaptation, mm-hmm. where you know it, it's similar to. So, if you go to the gym and do the same exercise workout day in day out, your your body you won't get the same benefits because your body will habituate to that particular load. Mm-hmm. So, we need to keep switching it up for our body to keep responding. So, yeah. hedonic adaptation refers to the kind of practices that we engage in to boost our mood, if if that remains unchanged, we don't get the same bang for our buck. So, wow. yeah, it, it makes perfect sense that we need freshness, we need change, we need variability. So if, if we're going into the Christmas period feeling like, well, this will sustain us for eight weeks, well, it's probably not going to. There needs to be some little tweaks. There needs to be ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, let's not let's not peak too soon. Peak too soon, sense. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but we are nearly at December, so I feel like we can allow ourselves to peak a little bit now. What Absolutely. does um what does Christmas mean to you, Susie? That's a really beautiful question, and I think it's something that evolves throughout our lifetime. Mm. Um, and now, as a mum, I would say that Christmas is about creating something really special for my family, for my little ones. Yeah. Um, I guess the overarching theme that spans my whole lifetime is, is, is viewing Christmas as a time for connection. It's a time for, for coming together. 
it's a time for nourishment. And I think probably it's interesting reflecting on Christmas as an Antipodean. It felt really different in Australia because mm-hmm. in Australia it's the height of summer and it's, yeah. you know, it's oh, lying on the beach, bask like a lizard kind of thing, whereas a lot of the Christmas rituals now living in the Northern Hemisphere, it's like they make sense. I yeah. want to roast on Christmas <laughs> Day. I get that. In Australia it was like, you know, it, it seasonally it just didn't make sense, but yeah. I'm really loving that sense of nourishment and coziness and togetherness. Mm-hmm. But I think too reflecting on the kind of the years that we've had, not just 2023, but, you know, cumulative, the last couple of years have just been so intense. My own personal purpose for this Christmas is is time for replenishment and rejuvenation as yeah. an individual, but also as a family unit. Oh, I love that. That's so lovely. And it is often that the only time of year that we get to really shut down because the rest of the country shuts down or, you know, industries mm-hmm. and stuff. So let's talk a little bit about Christmas overwhelm. I'm really excited to talk to to you about this specifically because you are a psychologist. Obviously, Christmas is such an amazing time and I really don't want this podcast to feel like we're just focusing on the, you know, the negatives of, of Christmas overwhelm. But I feel like in order to really embrace the joy of Christmas, we we have to have tools to help us manage Christmas overwhelm because there are a lot of jobs to do at Christmas, aren't there? There really are. That's, when you actually stop to think about or even itemise, mm. I think that can be something useful. If, when we actually jot all of these things down that are required of us, you know, the, managing the diaries, being mm-hmm. in certain places at certain times, what we need to take with us for that particular event, the school admin that's Mm -hmm. required um you know planning these beautiful events that create the lovely memories it's enormous yeah the invisible load the emotional load the mental load is massive absolutely yeah I've got some really interesting research that I wanted to just share on the podcast actually and we can chat about a, a bit about it and I want to pick your brains on it so um some research I'll have to quote actually in the show notes where this comes from because I I don't like to not quote my sources but um it says that christmas is especially tough on women's health while women are only four percent more likely to say that christmas affects them negatively the difference is more glaring when it comes to stress and anxiety while only 35 percent of men have felt stressed around christmas for the woman the figure is 51 percent, and over a third of women say they also felt anxious whereas less than a quarter of men say that they feel the same men are twice as likely to say they don't put up Christmas decorations compared to women with a similar result for taking them down. (laughs) (laughs) Likewise, while 9% of men say they don't think about what Christmas presents to buy, just 4% of women say the same. So, you know, there's, I mean, there's smaller numbers, but it does show that, you know, women do the load is what Mm -hmm. we're saying, isn't it? And, and, and it's making us more stressed. Yeah. And and this is where we've we've got to have a conversation about how we can apportion those responsibilities and make sure that we are coming together as a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's thinking it's like, it through. It's and it's not just like it's not just the gift giving, the gift buying. It's you know, it's it's thinking about what's required for the meals, who's going to prepare what. You know, it's and and can we do this as a team? Even if yeah. you're hosting, it's perfectly fine to be saying. I need you to provide this or can you do this and 
that's okay. Giving ourselves permission to not feel like it, it lands squarely on our shoulders alone. Yeah. And it does often feel like that, doesn't it? Because just referring back to what you said just a few minutes ago, the invisible load, and that's what it is, these jobs. I mean, they're they're visible when they happen, obviously, but to make them happen, make those magical moments happen is a lot of work and planning in our heads. So how, how do you think when these things are so invisible... And they're often, they are, you know, they do fit into the category of like traditionally women's jobs. And, you know, my husband, as as great as he is with helping at home, he's often said, oh, I'm just not great at thinking of people's presence. I just can't wrap them. And then you think, oh, okay, well, if you can't, you know, if that's tough for you, then I can do it. It's a lot of work. Just buying the presents is a lot of work, isn't it? So how have you got any tips for us for people who, anyone who, you know, is feeling that load and that they want to make Christmas magical for their family, but it's just getting a bit too much every year. How can they share the load a bit better? How can they approach those conversations? If we can get into a positive head state first for us as an individual that helps Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it might be just let's not have these conversations when we are ready to explode yes that's it's quite often that's when it all comes tipping out okay and we're not going to best achieve something constructive when we're coming from that place of resentment frustration overload um and i'd also suggest let's make sure that whoever we're trying to have a conversation with is also receptive Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So make sure that they're, you've actually got their full attention. Make sure yeah. it's okay to say, do you have capacity for this conversation now? Can we talk yeah. about this? And can we come from it from a perspective of what do we want to achieve together? Because I think, you know, from a simple perspective, working towards goals, a goal that someone gives us is never going to galvanize us compared to a goal that we select for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can come from that perspective of thinking about what do we want to achieve together, because then we've got their buy-in. Yeah. Okay. And then it's about thinking about, well, how, what can we all do to, to create that thing? And we've all got to pull our weight. We've all got to do something. And it's fine for people to be, to a certain extent, to be self-selecting in terms of let people do what they feel they do well. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe invite invite them to contribute how they see fit first rather than saying, you do this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there's mm-hmm. a dialogue around these are the things that are required. Let's have a talk about the things that we feel that our strengths, you know, lend themselves to. But then there's also a matter of, you know, you mentioned the wrapping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what? You don't actually have to be good at it. It just needs yeah. to be wrapped. But for so many people, they they observe that and you're like, oh my God, it it you know, it just it impinges on my standards and they feel like I've got to rush in and fix that and do it. When in actual fact, allow a little surrender. Mm-hmm. We can do some letting go. We can also allow people to develop some skills. You know, maybe if they've not done the gift buying before, maybe it will be a bit clunky and difficult, but actually it's fine for them to to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. we continually robbing people of their opportunities to learn well you know we're we're also playing a hand in maintaining those patterns yes definitely yeah? so i think it helps to look at um our own part in that and there's there is one thing that i do want to mention quite often we're so absorbed in the things that are required of us we can minimize what other people are doing mm. you know maybe we don't see 
the the unseen yeah. labor that they are responsible for. So I think sometimes a really beautiful place to start is to give thanks and voice appreciation for the things that people are already doing. And we all need to feel appreciated, don't we? Yeah. 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 You're so wise. Oh. You're just so wise. It's <laughs> I it all so I'm learning the hard way, <laughs> Ali. You know, I haven't got it licked. I'm having the same conversations. But I'm acutely aware of my husband puts up the Christmas lights. There are plenty of things that he he does that I sort of will will somehow just sort of lump into. Well, that's that's what that's the father role, that's the husband mm-hmm. role, that's the male role. We need to take a look at that too. Yeah. You know, that's an essential part of the dialogue. And if 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 the if the women's labor is is up for contention, well actually we need to take a look at both. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I guess everyday life has to still keep ticking along, doesn't it? So we have to remember that all of those things are happening too. Um mm-hmm. I think I I really loved what you said there about kind of surrendering, letting go, allowing people to grow and, and learn. I had a really interesting conversation with my sister about a year ago about having babies and that you know that first year even the first few months where you as a mum you're just it's completely overwhelming it's kind of you're just learning aren't you but you are the boss and you you know everything in quotation marks and I remember a point with my husband where he just kind of didn't he didn't take the initiative he didn't know what to do essentially and I felt like I had to tell him everything and you get to that point don't you just as you were saying with this emotional labor stuff with Christmas it's exactly the same in any other part of life you get to the point where you think even at work oh do you know it's just easier if I do it myself and then also then it's the way that I like it but that in itself is just almost making a rod for your own back isn't it to just keep on doing everything just this little example of Christmas is such a great kind of lesson for us for the rest of of our lives and I I remember saying to my sister you have to learn to delegate and she said to me why should I have to teach him he should just know it's like but he doesn't and some things aren't fair like that but if you if you don't ever teach him then he'll never get the confidence to learn and grow and, and do it himself and now my um husband actually kind of taught my dealt with the whole sleep issue with our little one and he's Mm -hmm. that's the catalyst that made him so confident as a dad Mm -hmm. so it's a lovely thing to give someone the space to do that isn't it it is a beautiful thing to do yeah we don't want to interfere with with the, the opportunity for them to to create ways of doing things and and to deepen their bonds and I think you know when we look at those opportunities where it's like do I intervene here? Do I not? It's not a hard and fast thing. There will be mm. some things where you're like, actually, that thing is really important to me mm-hmm. and I'm not going to compromise that because this is something, these are my values. And I think that's this is a difficult thing because I think we can we can come at parenthood with slightly different values and it's not a right or a wrong thing. There's just yeah. this is what's important to me and this is what's important to you and how can we find some kind of common ground? And there are some times where, if that thing is important to you, you're going to have to do it because we, we can't expect everyone else to have the same, um, you know, priorities. And yeah, that's also okay. But I think the question here is, is what's sustainable? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really useful question for helping us determine to what extent do we stick to our 
you know, standards and to what extent do we say, no, no, I, I need your help here, however you want to do it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't think we can, we can't just dictate all the time, right? No. There yeah. has to be some freedom for for, for our other halves to, to do it their way as well. But it's like, what is sustainable? What what will allow me to sustain myself in this caregiving role as I as I aspire to? Yeah. And that can help in that decision making process. I love that. Thank you. So thinking about this quiet liminal time between Christmas and New Year. Do you have any wonderful ways for us to use this time for our well-being or development? And I remember you saying that you wanted to kind of dedicate this Christmas to to something like that yourself. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It's this sense of life hasn't resumed in full force. You know, there's the, the diary is clear. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's it, in some sense it's kind of like no man's land. You know, yeah. We sort of don't know what day it is. It's odd, isn't it? There's yeah. no other time. There's no other time in our calendar year that's like that. So the way I I would love to use that that time period personally is time to restore, time to rejuvenate. It's it's beautiful reflection time. So there's mm-hmm. an opportunity to take stock, to observe just what's occurred in this year. And to sort of ask myself, oh, my goodness, you know, how would any human being feel had they experienced those, you know, Mm -hmm. unique set of variables? And then thinking about what am I learning? What am I learning about myself, about the world, about what's important to me? And then a little bit of action planning. I think that's that's a really juicy element too. Um, And I think it's really important at this time of year that we get clear on our energy bank basics, mm-hmm. right? And so energy, energy bank basics, are, these are the fundamentals for what we need as a human being to feel alive, energised. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that we, we pay attention to that over Christmas because a lot of the rituals tend to involve indulgence, being sedentary, being mm-hmm. inside. So it's, it's just... Keep those things on the radar. Keep those things happening that help us feel lively and energised. So it's going to be, for me, it's going to be making sure that I get outside into mm-hmm. nature's beauty, make sure mm-hmm. that I'm moving, um, yeah. make sure that I'm connecting, but not just, you know, it's, it's what, what can we do to bring ourselves back to balance? So if there's been a lot of socialising, mm. outward connection, then maybe there's a need for inwards connection yeah. or vice versa. Um, maybe we need a little bit of solitude. Maybe we need silence. Mm. Maybe we need stillness. It's 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 a unique prescription, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, I think that can be a really useful way to use the hush. What do we need to bring us back to balance? I love that, and that's about really kind of looking within and being conscious about how you spend that time. Which and now I think is a perfect time to to consider that, isn't it? Because of the next few weeks, we're going to be celebrating, mm-hmm. and often we can fill it full of things. I, I I don't really like that though. I don't really like it when people say, uh, James, my husband, he has a big uni kind of get together and they all go out drinking on like the 28th or the 29th. And I just send him off and I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> He's a massive extrovert and I'm more of an introvert. So I just love staying in obviously. But I think, you know, you could eat, you could just so easily fill that time with 
anything, couldn't you? Things that you get invited to, but to be, to, but to kind of plan that time consciously, it's almost like a leftover time. We don't really think about it, do we? But to be conscious about it, it could be really, really meaningful. So I love that. Absolutely. Get intentional. But you're so right to observe that, you know, different things will motivate and nourish different people. And it's mm-hmm. fine for us to express ourselves differently. And yeah. I think that's interesting too in the context of family units. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there's, I think if we can make space for, for us as individuals, as well as what is it that we need as a family unit, mm-hmm. there is there is time to express all those different needs, isn't there? Yes, yeah, definitely. And it's long enough, isn't it? We're actually going off on the 27th to Nepal. <laughs> so that's what wow. I'm going to be doing. We're going to be hiking in the foothills of the Himalayas. So yeah, wow. I'm excited about that. And that's You're having that, an adventure. That's yes. incredible. Yeah, an adventure and leaving our little one behind. So for the first time, which is I'm getting more and more anxious about. <laughs> it's no small thing, darling. Oh, it's been so lovely chatting to you, Susie. I've got one more question for you. What's your favourite Christmas tradition for your family? And it could be something that everyone does that you just love, or it could be something really unique and specific to your family. Oh, I just, I love the long pyjama morning and and opening the presents together and um, having a FaceTime with my mum in Sydney. Oh, miss you. That's how we start the day. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And it's been so lovely to talk to you. And I just hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Oh, Ali, thank you. Thank you for getting, you know, getting me thinking about um, <laughs> how I'm going to use my time. I really appreciate it. You know, it's beautiful things come from being purposeful and intentional. So it's, it's, these conversations are so helpful. Thank yeah, you, darling. They're lovely. Thank you. See you soon. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Tiny Forest. This holiday season, give a gift that truly grows love and leaves a lasting impact. Tiny Forest is an urban tree planting initiative by environmental charity Earthwatch Europe, and they've got a wonderful mindful Christmas idea for any nature lover. For just £18, you can choose your loved one's favourite tree species and sponsor it in its own tiny forest. Choose a meaningful location, receive a personalised certificate and watch the forest flourish. From a mighty oak to the valuable hazel, which is a food source for birds, small mammals and even deer. The graceful elm or the beautiful rowan, which in folklore has mythical properties, often planted near homes to ward off evil spirits. Or even the very Christmassy looking silver birch. You can sponsor as many trees as you like, maybe even grow your own tiny forest. Why champion a tree? Well, over 6 million people in the UK lack access to green space close to home. Your sponsorship supports Earthwatch in creating 500 tiny forests by 2030, fostering nature in cities and combating the decline of wildlife highlighted by the 2023 State of Nature report. Join us in bringing nature back to our urban landscapes. Visit earthwatch.org.uk to make a difference today.